Today we will be starting a new series titled Banishing Fear. Banishing Fear. If there's something that we learned on Sunday, and that is the fact that in the principle of exploitation, one of the enemies of exploitation is fear. Is fear. And God, our Father, has only one remedy for fear. And that is to cast it out, to banish it. God says that there's no fear in love, but love, perfect love, casts out fear, banishes fear. There is no fear in love. In other words, love and fear don't, can't cohabit, you know. So many times we think that we should be fearful and it's okay, you know, and all that. Yeah, everybody experiences fear, but should, how do we deal with fear? By the time we are done with this series, if fear sees you coming, it will go in another direction <laughs> in the mighty name of Jesus. Our um, text, or texts in plural, <laughs> it's, it's 1 John 4, 18, and Psalm Psalm 34, verse, verse 8, it's, it's in your outline. The age we are in has been, has been called and termed by sociologists as the age of anxiety. The age of anxiety. A lot of people are laden with, with fear. Everybody is afraid of something they, they said, you know. And, and, and there was this boy that said to ask his father, little boy, says to his father, Dad, do you fear armed robbers? The father says, no. He says, do you fear cockroaches? The father says, nope. He says, do you fear spiders? The father says, nope. He says, do you fear bullies? The father says, nope. And the boy went on and on. And the father kept saying, nope, nope, nope. And after a while, the boy said, I guess it's only mom that you fear. You know, we all can see that you fear mom. President. Everybody, they say fear something. Research was done in, on 500 people. And on the average, each one of them had 14 distinct fears. 14. If we do a, um, a scan here, how many fears per seat would we have? It's okay for it to be high now. At the end of this series, when we do the same scan, it will be close to zero. In Jesus' name, just um, fasten your seatbelt and stay along and follow along. 20 years ago, and this is also very interesting with children. They did a research on children, primary school students elementary school, in our own culture, primary school. And they discovered five major fears of primary school children 20 years ago. And what were they? They were the fear of animals, the fear of dark rooms, the fear of strangers, the fear of height, and the fear of loud noises. Okay. That sounds like what children would be afraid of. Today, same study, primary school students, what do they fear the most? Number one, parents divorcing. Number two, nuclear war. Number three, getting cancer. Number four, environmental pollution, primary school students. Number five, sexual molestation. How we have gone far from being innocent. And if we look at what God's heart is, God does not 
want us to be afraid. The text, 1 John 4.18 says, such love, that is God's love, has no fear because perfect love does what to all fear? Expels. Love expels, expunges fear. Psalm 34 verse 4 says, this is David here, says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me and freed me from a few of my fears, from my major fears, and left the minor ones, from all my fears. I'm praying that God will free you from all your fears, that God will free us, including me, from all our fears, in Jesus' name. Now, fear does a lot of damage. So, today we're going to look at the damages fear does. Then, we'll look at the antidotes, the three antidotes to fear, and we'll be done. The damages fear does. Number one, fear paralyzes potential. Fear paralyzes potential. Fear limits our effectiveness. Fear causes us to miss opportunities. Like we, we saw on Sunday, when we have an opening, God expects us to exploit it, but, but fear is an enemy of exploitation. So fear causes us to miss opportunities. In all of us, we, we are a reservoir of potential. One major reason people don't achieve their potential, fulfill their destinies, is fair. God has told you, do something. Fair. God has told you, make this move. Fair. And fair cripples a lot of us. Again, I'm praying that God will set everyone here free of fair in Jesus' name. There's a man called Paul Torena. He said that all of us have reservoirs of full potential. Vast areas of greater satisfaction. Says, but the road that leads to those reservoirs are guarded by the dragons. Dragon of fear. We will cut off the, the head of that dragon in the name of Jesus. Guarded by the dragon of fear. So many people live mediocre lives. And many times, this fear, we, it is, um, is self-contrived. In other words, we, we are the architects of the fear. Many times. They say, no, pastor, it's the devil. <laughs> Many times. You see, the disciples in, in, in John 20, 19, that is in your um, outline, the scripture says that the disciples were together with the doors, what? Locked. For what? For fear. Fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and stood among them and said what? Peace be unto you. Now, the door was locked. Where was the door locked from? Outside or inside? Was it the um, Jewish people that locked them in? They lock themselves in. Fear sometimes is as a result of self-imprisonment. We, there's something out there. There's a lion out there. There's something out there that we dread. And we lock ourselves in. God wants you to set yourself free. Open the door. Why? Because Jesus is with you. Jesus has walked in. Open the door. Open the door. For some of us, we need to open the door and try again. Just try again. For some of us, we need to open the door and, and, and love again. Open the door. 
Praise the Lord. So the first thing is that fear paralyzes potential. The second thing is that fear ruins relationships. It destroys the relationship. Nothing destroys relationships faster than fear. Fear destroys relationships. Adam, in his, 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 fear destroyed his relationship with God. He says in, in Genesis 3.10, it says, I was afraid and I what, hid from you. I was afraid and I, it damaged my relationship with you. So fear pressures us to cover up. Fear of rejection pressures us to put up a mask to cover up. And you see, when you cover up, you build a wall. When you build a wall, there cannot be a flow in the relationship. It damages relationships. It, 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 it pressures us to pretend that we are who we are not. It pressures us to hide. In fact, the greatest hindrance to intimacy in a marriage or in any relationship, even if it's not um, a physical relationship, is fair. The greatest hindrance to the relationship between you and your friend is fair. The greatest, the greatest hindrance between the relationship between a husband and a wife is fair. One person is afraid, or both of them are afraid. They're afraid. Why am I afraid to show you who I am? Why? Because I am all I've got. So if I show you who I am and you reject it, I may not be able to deal with that. So let's just be plastic. We are bedmates, but we are strangers. Why? Because that was how you, you abused it the last time I showed you who I was. Look straight, look straight, look straight. Don't look left or right. That was, a, that was how you abused it. I showed you who I was. You, you, you trampled upon it and you, you threw it back in my face. I have built my wall. Fair. But you see, the truth is that fearful people cannot give or receive love. Fearful people cannot experience love. Pastor, you don't even know who I'm married to. That woman is a dragon. That man is a beast. He's not. Maybe he is, but you will tame him with your love in Jesus' name. Say amen. amen. Have faith. Fearful people don't commit. They are afraid of commitment. They are afraid. You see, but the truth is that Fear, your fear, affects everyone in your life. Your fear affects everyone in your life. Everyone you relate with. It affects everybody. Have you, have you, have you, have you seen parents that ruin the, key, the lives of their kids because of their own fear? Have you, have you, I've seen a lot of parents ruin the life of their kids because of their own fear. Let them be who God has called them to be. Set them free. You are afraid, so you destroy their lives. And that will not be your case in Jesus' name. A lot of bosses stifled creativity of, of their people. Why? Because they are afraid. They are afraid. A lot of parents don't, can't release their children. Because they are afraid. You know? They are... They are <laughs> uh, I know someone that... He built a house, a big house, and in his house, he has... It's like he built like a campus. He has... Houses for all the students. They should go and marry, but all of them should come and stay here. Everybody. Nobody should be greater than him. They must be under his roof. Why? Because the world is a wicked place. Ah! 
Ayogun. They don't want them to kill. We kill you people. You better come and say, what happens when you die? Are you going to live forever? Praise the name of the Lord. You are not going to live forever. So set them free. The earlier you set them free, the better for you. It's just like riding a bicycle. If you don't set the rider free, you can, the person can never learn how to ride a bicycle. Never. If you're afraid that they will fall, let them fall. They will get up. I remember, you know, on my ninth birthday, I remember very clearly. <laughs> I said to my dad, he says to me, what do you want? I said, I want a bicycle. And he, he, he buys me a bicycle. And now the bicycle body has this to, I mean, small tires by the side that allows it to stabilize. So when my older brothers are riding it, they take off the, the support because they can ride a bicycle. I couldn't ride a bicycle. So when I'm riding and there's no support, they hold it at the back. And when they hold it at the back, I'm confident. I'll just be pedaling, pedaling, pedaling. Apparently, we were on the street. They had left me alone. And I was pedaling, 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 pedaling. I got to the end of the street. I was now trying to get feedback. I was talking. And nobody was answering me. <laughs> I was in confusion. <laughs> I was, you know, and this is the same person that rode the bike from the beginning. And they were laughing. They were at the beginning of the street laughing. The same person that rode the bike was now struggling because all of a sudden fear came in. He discovered that there's nobody holding this bike. Many of us are afraid to release our potential because daddy is not holding the bike. Mommy is not holding the bike. You need to set yourself free. That was the day I learned how to ride the bike, the bicycle. Because it dawned on me immediately that I, I really can't ride this thing. I rode it from there to there. So that was the end of the support. I began to ride the bicycle from then on. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. My point is this. I would never have been able to ride a bicycle. And there are so many adults, don't look left or right, sitting in this place that cannot ride a bicycle. You can't. Right? Come, I'm going to teach you. On Saturday. I'm going to teach you how to ride a bicycle. Not this Saturday. One Saturday. <laughs> it's simple. I just put you on it and... <laughs> Because of fear. Oh, he's going to bruise his hand. So what? Oh, he's going to hurt his leg. So what? Praise the name of the Lord. So fear paralyzes our potentials. Fear ruins our relationships. Fear hinders our happiness. Fear hinders our our happiness. The word of God says in Proverbs 12, 25 that worry can rob you of happiness. David said, I am worn out by my worries. More people, listen, more people today are tired from worrying than from work. David says, I'm worn out by my worrying. Many of us, the, the reason we are lethargic and tired is because we worry ourselves out. We're tired. We're tired. Instead of working, you're worrying. You're at your desk. They look at you, they think you're working, but you're actually worrying. And you're worrying about the work. It says, I worn myself out. I am worn out. I worn myself out. I'm worn out by my worries. Many of us, many of us here, if you watch movies, you know Alfred Hitchcock. Is, they call him the master of suspense. You know? He said something. He said, all the movies you are watching are my worries. He says, I turn my worries to movies. <laughs> At least he's making money from his worries. Yes, of course, wealthy and all that. He made a name for himself. He says, I turn my worry, my fear, sorry, into movies. Many of you here, if you were to write your fears, they will be 
award-winning movies. For some, it's Nollywood movie, I know. I know, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> because you are just worried about it, fearful about this, fearful about that, and all that. But God always wants us to rise above, above fear. About fear. And if you look at our, our, our fears, largely it's like a movie. It's like a movie. It hinders our happiness. So, so fear paralyzes potentials. It ruins relationships. It hinders happiness. Number four, fear sabotages success. Sabotages success. Job 3.25. Job 3.25 says that everything I fear and dread comes true. I mean, isn't that just... He says, everything I fear and dread comes true. So fear can become a self-fulfilling prophecy if you are not careful. If you don't cast it out, if you don't deal with it, fear can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm sure many of us have heard before people say, or we say ourselves, oh, I was afraid this would happen. You see, I said it. Have you heard that before? There are some people, all the prophecies, everything they've said that have come to pass are negative ones. I said it, I told you. This car was going to, you are going to do this. I knew you were going to break that glass. I told you you were going to break. Why? Because fear, once you begin to focus on it, you become what you focus on. As a man thinks in his heart, so, is, so he is. It shifts your focus on the object of fear. And it, you have you not put your creative power, you release your creative power to bring it to pass. Every human being has creative powers. We have the powers to imagine something and create it and bring it to pass. Everybody does. When you are born again, it's on steroids. It should be. So when fear is now what has captured that creative power, it becomes very dangerous. You've heard a lot of people, they are afraid, oh, I don't want to become like my father. And because you don't want to become your, like your father and your mother, you are focused on, you are so focused on them that, guess what? You are actually becoming like them faster than you, than you think. So, Pastor, what do I do when I don't want to become like Focus, take your focus off them. Put your focus on Christ. And you become like Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. Make your decisions not what will my father say. See, I, I have a good, very fantastic dad, but you know, he made some huge mistakes. And I, and I said to myself, I'm not going to make those mistakes. But I don't preoccupy myself with, with his life, of the mistake part of his life. No. I preoccupy myself with Christ. I focus on the decisions that Jesus would make. And over time, my life is far from my father's life. This is negative part. But when you focus on it, it plays out. Many times, we fear that we don't want to make commitment. Oh, We've heard the word, you are born to serve, commitment, blah, blah, blah. A lot of focus is going on on that by the Spirit of God. Not, nobody orchestrated it. And you know you should commit. You know, but you are afraid. Oh, what if I don't make workers meeting? What if I don't come on time? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Because you are afraid. You become what you are afraid of, non-committal. Many of us Many people, they're afraid of illness. They're afraid of, 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 of any form of sickness. Once they feel any form of growth in their hand, they're thinking, oh God, I pray it's not cancerous. And many times, because people are afraid of illness, they actually become, become ill. They actually become ill. Some people are afraid of poverty. So, they are so focused on poverty that they actually become poor. Some people are afraid of growing old. 
And because they are so afraid of growing old, guess what happens? They age very quickly because you become what you behold. For some, ladies, they are actually very afraid of being ugly. So they put on excessive makeup. Have you seen that before? Yeah, like, I'm like, girl, relax. Look straight, look straight, relax. You're pretty. I hope. Praise the name of the Lord. So now we are going to look at the three spiritual antidotes to fear. Now, these three spiritual antidotes to fear will only give us an overview, but we will dive deeper as we go on. Before we look at the three spiritual antidotes to fear, I, I want to show us a video of um, some guys that are going to give us five ways of overcoming fear. Tom and Eddie, the skit guys, here to help you to conquer your fear with five tips. That's right. Number five, acknowledge your fear. Write it down. Get it out there. Oh, do that, Tommy. Do that. That's a great idea, okay? Here's the thing. When you write down your fear, it kind of helps just squelch the fear. Tommy is going to show you right now that we all have this in common. We all have fears. This is Tommy's number one fear. This is my number one fear. I've seen it happen to people, and it's tragic. I can't imagine what it would be like to... Really? So much skin. Number four, realize that most of your fears don't even come true. Yours did. This isn't a fear. Looks like it should have been. When it comes to those fears, they don't really ever come true. Like some people have a fear of garden gnomes coming alive in the middle of the night and destroying you. What? Yes, a bunch of people fear that. I don't think so. It's a legitimate fear. Those little statues in people's yards. Those evil statues in people's yards. Oh, this is your fear. You're afraid of, no, you're I'm afraid not. of garden no, gnomes. I'm not. Yes, no, you I'm are. not. I'm not Look at you. Me. No. <laughs> okay, 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 moving on. Number three, do the thing you fear. Yes, yes. Like, stay the night in a yard filled with garden gnomes. No, it really is a good idea to do what you fear. In fact, Winston Churchill said, do the thing you fear and the death of fear is certain. No, Winston Churchill didn't say that. Hmm? Emerson said that. What? Ralph Waldo Emerson said, do the thing you fear and the death of fear is certain. How do you know that? Well, I had a college class on and there was a, did you just say, how do I know that? Yep. Okay, you know what I'm curious about? I'm curious what it would look like if I shaved your head. It's not funny. I'm not laughing. Number two, be curious. Yeah, because when you're curious, you're not focusing on your fear. You're squelching your fear. You're, you're opening the door for God's wonder. Curiosity does that. Yeah, and you'll also find that curiosity did not kill the cat. It was that creepy kid across the street. There's someone to be afraid of. You don't even be afraid of him. Because the number one way to conquer your fear is to trust in God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit of the Lord is not of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Yeah, in fact, I got you a little keepsake to help you remember that. Thanks, buddy. That's what I like about this guy. He's always thinking of other people. So there you have it, friends. Go out there. Conquer your fear. Make that bucket list of things that you want to do and know that God is on your side because there is nothing that you have to be afraid of. <laughs> okay. Uh, nothing to be afraid of. So there are, but there are three things, three spiritual antidotes to fear. Number one is truth. The first antidote to fear is truth. Jesus said in John 8:32, you will know the truth and the truth will what? Will set you free. 
You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from fear. In fact, the, the, the human being is only born with two fears innately. A newborn baby has only two innate fears, inborn fears. So what about all the other fears? What about the 17,000, what have you, fears? They are all learned when they began to grow up or when we begin to grow up. The two innate fears is of a baby is the fear of falling and the fear of loud noise. The baby is not afraid of anything else. Put a gun on the baby's head, smile at you. The baby is not afraid of anything else. So every other fear is learned. And because it is learned, it means it can be unlearned. It means it can be unlearned. In fact, there's this research work that shows that 40% of all our fears is about the future that never take place in the first place. That would never happen. So 40% of all fears is about future events that never happen. 30% is about the past that can't change. It's past. Praise the Lord. 12% they say, and needless fears about our health, health. Countless number of times, folks have diagnosed themselves of diseases they don't have. Then they go to check, and they don't have the disease. And they say, oh, praise God, it was a miracle. No, that's not a miracle. You never had the disease in the first place. You didn't. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 10% are petty fears. Not worth worrying about. Only 8% are legitimate fears. And these legitimate fears can be dealt with by taking appropriate action. So, so at the end of the day, no fear. None. So how do you unlearn? How do I take appropriate action? How do I unlearn? And how do I take appropriate action? Um, the scripture is there. Second Corinthians 4.2 It says, In the full light of God's truth we live. When we live in the full light of God's truth, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Will set you free. Second antidote to fear is love. Love. The second antidote is love. Is love. First John 4.18 says that love contains no fear. How much fear does love contain? No fear. None. Love contains no fear. If you love the Lord, you have no fear of the spiritual things. You have no fear of eternity. If you love your spouse, you have no fear. If you love, love doesn't entertain fear. Love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear. Fully developed love expels every particle of fear. Fully developed love goes around to sweep their, their life. And if peradventure there's a grain of fear locking around the corner, it sweeps it out. It expels it. It expels it. Why? For fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. Fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. 1 John 
4, 18. Now, this first John 4, 18, I was, I was listening to um, some guy uh, preach about it, um, Rick Warren. And he was saying that when he was dating his wife, he wrote her a love <laughs> letter. And at the end, he signed his name and put First John 4, 18. He thought he put First John 4, 18. Of, and the, his wife would not talk to him. In fact, cut him off. And he tried for weeks on ending, trying to, what did I do? You know, he later discovered that he wrote John 4.18. He forgot to put the first there. And what does John 4.18 say? This is the woman talking to the, uh, this is Jesus talking to the woman by the well, that woman with five husbands. <laughs> Jesus saying, for you have had five husbands. And you are not even married to the man you are living with. <laughs> and she read it and she's like, what? But he says that out of sheer determination, he got her back. Sometimes some men need sheer determination. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, back on course. So fear sweeps out. Sorry, love sweeps out fear, sweeps out every particle of fear. And there are two ways love neutralizes fear. There are two ways love expels fear. The first way is that it, if you are able to receive God's love for you, that God's love for you will expel fear. So, the first way for me to neutralize fear with love is to receive God's love for me. I must receive God's love. Some, sometimes we struggle to receive God's love. God loves you, but sometimes you don't receive His love. Sometimes we are guilty, or rather, we feel guilty. We feel unworthy. We feel God can't love us. And if you look at that scripture, we see the connection between guilt and fear. Tightly connected. We become afraid because we are guilty like Adam. Then we feel guilty because we are afraid. It's like But God is saying to you today, I don't know what it is that you are feeling guilty for. I mean, if you've repented, if you haven't repented, please repent. If, you, if you've repented, you need to receive the love of God. Because you can never be free of fear until the love of God saturates your heart. Until you receive the love of God. Say, but pastor, this thing I've done is so horrible. It's so shameful. I'm ashamed of myself. Fine. Repent of it and receive the love of God. Receive. You see, when God forgives us and we don't receive his love, or when God says he forgives us and we don't believe him, according to First John, then the Bible says we make him to become a liar. We are saying to him he's a liar. God says that as far as the east is from the west, so far will he remove a translation from us. You read it and you don't believe it because you're like, oh, I, I still feel guilty. Some, sometimes we feel that we need to feel guilty so that we can, you know, pay a little bit. You know, let me like, have some penance and just feel guilty. Yes, there's a place for godly sorrow. Don't get me wrong. But you see, when that has led to repentance, then you need to just accept God's love and move on. Praise the name of the Lord. So, you can never be free from fear until you experience the grace and forgiveness of God for your guilt. The reason a lot of lives are not free from fear is because we haven't accepted the grace and forgiveness of God. We haven't. We, we, we have a mental accent. We, we, we can confess, we can say it, but in your heart, you, you don't feel at ease with God. 
You feel uncomfortable when God's presence intensifies. You feel uncomfortable when you probably are alone and it's as if, you know, God is trying to draw you. You feel uncomfortable. Why? Because you haven't received the love of God. And God is saying to you, you need to receive my love. Once you receive the love of God, it expels fear. And the second way, the first way is to receive the love of God. The second way is when you offer that same love to other people. When you offer the love to other people. When you offer the love to other people. You see, in life, we respond primarily with three emotions. Every other thing is a derivative of those three emotions. And our movement in life is largely based on three emotions. The first is fear. We can move, run away from something out of fear. The second is anger. We can come against something in anger or come against people in anger. The third is love. We can move towards someone or towards something in love. Every other thing is a derivative of those three. God wants us to be responding in love, not in fear, not in anger, but in love. Some of us, we need to really allow God's love to permeate our system so that it consumes every form of anger and fear in us. So that we only respond in, in love. So that we only respond in love. Love can face danger of the greatest magnitude and overcome. Love. A house is burning. A mother comes and arrives and meets a house burning. And she sees that her baby is in a room there, upstairs. What does the mother do? She doesn't act in fear. She doesn't act in anger. But she goes into that fire and brings out that baby. I don't know how mothers do it. Only mothers can do it. Fathers will call the fire service. <laughs> mothers will run into that building and bring out that baby. And some fathers too. <laughs> what pulled the mother into that building? Was it fear? Obviously not anger. It was love. Love can overcome any obstacle. Any obstacle. That's why, you know, when the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his... I mean, sometimes we really do understand what that means. It means, you see, we were gone. It was a huge chasm between us and God. But love made God come down and come get us from the fire. Praise the Lord. I think, I think we should clap because it's just fantastic. You know, the, the, the love of God cause God to come down and rescues us. He rescues us. It was insulted. It was slapped. They spat on him. They abused him. God. They slapped him and they said, you prophesy, who slapped you? They ridiculed him. God. And they nailed him to the cross. And he wasn't angry. And he wasn't afraid. Because he was moved by love. Whatever challenge you are facing in your career, in your relationships, in your, le- in your health, you will overcome because of love. Praise the name of the Lord. You will triumph. Because of love. In fact, the root of many fears is self-centeredness. The root of many fears is self-centeredness. Oh, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to look like a fool. 
Oh, I don't want to get hurt. Oh, I don't want to get hurt again. Oh, I don't want anybody to abuse me. Oh, I don't want no insult from anybody. Ah, I'm older than everybody here. Ah, I don't. It's just yourself. But love overcomes that easily. So the more I am filled with love, the less I am filled with fear. The third antidote. So the first antidote to fear, the, the first spiritual antidote to fear is what? It's truth. The second spiritual antidote to fear is what? Is love. The third spiritual antidote to fear is faith. Is faith. Ephesians 6.16 says, Above all, be sure to take faith as your shield, for it can quench every burning missile. The enemy hurls at you. So the enemy loves to hurl missiles at us. He loves to hurl burning missiles. How does he do it? In our thoughts, in our minds, he sends fear. It, it tries, the enemy loves to suggest the only power, I've said it before several times, the only power the enemy has over the believer, if he has any power over the believer, is the power of suggestion. That is all he has. He just can't suggest. Ah, uh-uh, you should be afraid now. It's up to you to be afraid. Oh, you're going to die. It's up to you to believe it. Oh, you're not going to have children. It's up to you to believe it. Oh, you're not going to get married. It's up to you to believe it. Oh, you're not going to... It's up to you to believe it. Oh, uh, sleep with the man you're not married with. It's up to you to accept it. Sleep with the woman you're not married to. It's up to you. It's the only power he has is to what? It's to suggest. It's to suggest. But God says we should put up a shield of what? Faith. So when God gives us an idea, it's called, a, it's called an inspiration. And when Satan gives us an idea, it's called temptation. It's called temptation. So when he gives us that idea, it's tempting you. Don't bite it. Don't do it. So faith is doing the things you fear the most. Faith is moving ahead in spite of your fear. Faith is doing the things you fear the most. What is it? Listen, you may not believe this. Some of us men, we are afraid to love our wives totally and completely. We are afraid. Why are we afraid? She will begin to take me for granted in this house. She will begin, and some women are just very on, they don't have home training, really, you know, so they abuse it, I know. But you, the answer is what? Do you love it again? You are married to the person. Chicken now. We are afraid to love our wives. Why? Because we want to be revered. And if I love her too much, she will be spoiled. So I need to toughen her up and shake her up. Men are laughing because they know what I'm saying. <laughs> Listen. The only thing God says you should do to your wife is what? Love your wives. Husbands, love your... Before you get married, you think this is simple. What are they saying? I can't do it. Okay. <laughs> Husband, love your wife. That's what the Bible of God says. And, 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 and many times, wives, we, we are afraid to let go completely and just... Be totally, totally vulnerable in that marriage. Why? Because we've been taking advantage of some people by their fathers. So anybody that is the authority over them is in trouble. Some people, you know, so it's, it's just a convoluted situation. But the, the, the answer is just face your fear. Do the things you're afraid of most. Be most vulnerable to your husband. The woman says, ah, no, ah, see finish. I don't want him to see me finish. Exactly. That's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to see you finish. Say, but pastor, if you take it for granted, he won't. Okay, yes, yeah, some will. But again, you're married. If you want to enjoy that marriage, you have to be 
totally 100% vulnerable. Praise the Lord. I believe, so, I believe God is talking to someone. Yeah. Psalm 56 verse 3 says, When I'm afraid, I will put my confidence in who? In God. When I'm afraid, I won't put my confidence in a formula. No. When I'm afraid, I won't put my confidence in 10 steps out of faith. No. When I'm afraid, I'll put my confidence in, in God. Yes, I will trust the promises of God. So the antidote to fear is the person, God. That's the antidote to fear. Receiving God and giving God. Receiving God and giving God. Antidote to fear. So we see that when self is at the center of my life, my life is filled with fear. But when Christ is at the center of my life, my life is filled with faith. When self is at the center, my life is filled with fear. Oh, this person, what is this today again? It'll be fair. It's all about you. But when it shifts to be all about Christ, your life is filled with faith. It's filled with faith. So make it all about Jesus. Make it all about who? Jesus. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh, 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 oh,